if you have to get it off your shoulders there's you don't have to carry that heavy burden of guilt or shame for for whatever it is if whatever their story is the story is not over your story's not over god can finish your story for you it's a continuation if you just tell somebody your story now and then god will come in and take those ashes and turn it into a beautiful story to share with people with your head held up high in in hopes that somebody else can change and it also helps to just tell and because i get healing from sharing it with you and with other people i still get healing you know the healing doesn't stop you're listening to altered stories with michelle renee gutch hello altered stories show listeners welcome to the altered stories show episode 50 golden episode Janine's My Beauty Out of Ashes God Story. Thanks for listening to the show today. This is Michelle Saunders Dutch, your chief storyteller host and founder of Altered Stories Ministries. Friends, I hope you all are doing well. It's been a busy February, crazy busy. I've been very busy working on lighting up some great guests for the show, like Janine for the coming months. I look forward to sharing more Christian women's inspiring and God-glorifying stories of transformation in overcoming abuse, anxiety and depression, and other emotional setbacks, as well as other difficult circumstances. Today, I'm excited to introduce my special guest and friend, Janine Edens. And Janine, also serves on the Altered Stories Ministry Board as board treasurer. I met Janine here in the Kansas City area, and she was interested in helping Altered Stories Ministry as a volunteer, and we immediately connected. As I say, God connections are the best. So let me share a few words about Janine. She is a wife, mom of three, and a dog mom of two. She's also a former Cali girl. She also attends the same church that I do, Christ Community, and we are in the same community group. Now, how's that for connection? Today, Janine and I are going to have a conversation about her God story that led her to start her former nonprofit, Erin's House. Now, let's get the conversation started. Hello, Janine. Happy Monday. How are you? Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Are you loving the sunshine today in the KC area? I am. We went for a walk today with our dogs, and one of them is a puppy, and we're trying to train him, and he kept pulling and pulling. So uh, we brought them home, and then we went for a walk by ourselves. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, it's challenging always trying to get puppies trained. Yes. But which puppy? Now, this is the um, poodle. But yes, Tell so me. we have a standard okay. poodle, but he's four months old. He's about 31 pounds. He'll be about 65 or 70. So he's going to be big boy. And then we have a little tiny Yorkie, and he is four pounds. and or Yeah, about four pounds. And he'll, he will be two this year. Yeah, always a joy trying to be around those fur babies. Yes, yeah. So is there anything else, Janine, you'd like to share about who you are before we talk about your God story? Yeah, so I am uh, Janine Evans, and I am a mom of three. Um, I have a, a son who is 31 a daughter that is 28. She just turned 28. And I have uh, another daughter who is eight. So I have a a rather big span there, which is a whole nother story in itself, but I kind of have a a big span. And then I am married to a super duper guy named Mike, and he is from the Kansas City area originally. And I am not, I am originally from California. So uh, so that's kind of, and I've been here since about 2006. So 
Kansas City area has become my home and Chiefs have become my team. Although in tucked in my heart, there's still 49ers and especially Joe Montana. So that Ooh. is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a little snippet. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that way the audience can get, you know, yeah. a little yeah. bit of your personality because you're a hoot and you're so much fun. So, you know, Janine, you and I've had lots of conversation. And so now that you serve on our board, you really, I think, got the light under you around the God stories. And what I like to hear from you is um, why do you think sharing your story is so important? Because I know you've shared your story publicly. Yes, yes, a few times I have. Um, I think. Um, a person sharing their story is important because, well, number one, obviously other people need to hear your story um, to get different uh, perspectives or different, uh, to know more about you, know about family, know about your legacy, but also, and I think most importantly, stories like this that you share on the Altered Stories um, ministry through uh, podcasts is you know, other people need to hear so that they can, number one, know what God is capable of doing. And then also uh, so that they can receive healing or if that tell somebody else that story that they heard and direct them um, to hear that story. But storytelling is I mean, I kind of think that's what we do all day is we're telling a, a story, whether we're like me, I, I homeschool my daughter and I'm we learn through stories. We read live books and, and history, you know, books and so forth that tell stories, you know, and Jesus was a storyteller, right? He was the Tory storyteller and he loved telling stories. So it's, it's just been with us through ages and ages. It's how we learn. Yes. I love that. How we learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how we learn the truth. Yes. 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 And I think there's, um, from my perspective, it's hard to question a person's story. Right. You know, right. I mean, people, the experience that they're sharing, what they're sharing, I mean, it's mm -hmm. really relevant um, to a person and it's very personal. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for you to be here today to share your story. And that way, too, those that we serve in the ministry can kind of get to know you uh, on a personal level a little bit, you know, what where your heart is and for Jesus. And um, I know you have a life verse. And what is um, your life verse that you want to share? Um, is Psalm 147 3, and he and uh, it says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And this was a scripture that came to me during my healing process of my story. So, um, it's just and and I think about it all the time. Um, you know, and I, I, and it, it even applies even on a day when I might be out walking in the sun or whatever, you know, you just want to go out and just savor all that God has done and get that, that healing power of all that he has to offer. Um, but, um, so that has kind of become, and, and no matter when I'm, if I'm hurting or need something to just remind me, you know, it might be a day where it's been snowing, like we had all that cold for so long. Or, um, you know, being, uh, we have been inside so much with this uh, virus going around and stuff. It's, right. it's just an important scripture to remember that he is there. He knows what's going on and he can heal your heart no matter where you are. Well, it's a very, I think, a comforting scripture too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the Psalms are just, oh, the word of God is just amazing to me. They mm -hmm. just comes off the pages sometimes, yeah. depending on how the Lord is ministering to you through scripture. So right. Janine, this is a good segue into moving forward now so we mm -hmm. can share 
um, Mm -hmm. your story with those that are listening today. And everyone that's been listening to my show knows that the loaded question is, so Janine, where (laughs) did your God story begin? Okay. Well, um, thank you for having me to be able to share my story. Um, But I did, uh, when my, my story starts, basically when I was about 15 years old, I mean, I'm sure it started before that and I just didn't know it at the time. But when I was 15, um, I was living in California at the time with my family. Um, and, uh, I ended up getting, now you have to understand, I grew up in a non-Christian family. I had, there was no church. There was no, um, just a total non-Christian family. Um, so when I was 15 had just started high school right around there, I got pregnant and, uh, I was obviously very scared and felt like I was the only one that this could happen to, you know, feeling very lonely, you know, and, and it was very different back then because I just, it wasn't now we have so many resources and so forth, but I was very lonely thinking that I was the only one that this could happen to. Um, and I didn't tell anybody for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even tell my boyfriend. Uh, I didn't tell my parents cause I, you know, being 15, I seriously thought my parents would, you know, at that time I thought they would just kill me. You know, they found out, um, And I did end up telling, I, I, for a long time, I didn't tell anybody. And then I finally got, I I finally told my boyfriend and he was in a situation where his, he lived with his mom, who was a single mom and she was very sick. She was very sick. She was always in bed and she was, I mean, I, I don't recall what was wrong with her, but I, I feel like she was just very, very ill. And I ended up telling him and then he ended up telling her and she was thrilled that I was pregnant and I remember at the time thinking wait no no I'm no 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 no. I'm 15 this I can't no this is not right so you know I soon found out that she was basically on her deathbed and so it was thrilling to her the thought of having a grandchild So that really frightened me and scared me off. And um, maybe about a week went by and I ended up telling my boyfriend, oh, never mind. It's a false alarm. I mean, I was just, that just scared me to bits. And so I lied to him and I said it was a false alarm. And I ended up even breaking up with him. So here I was alone, scared and pregnant. Uh, finally I thought, okay, well, my parents, I kind of came to and thought, and now a lot of time had passed by and I ended up telling my parents, uh, and I'm, I'm, they ended up, obviously I'm still here. So they didn't kill me, but they, you know, not growing up in a Christian family and not, and just being uneducated Mm -hmm. about everything. I was embarrassed about my situation, but I was I feel like I was forced to tell my parents, which of course was the right thing to do. Um, They basically uh, said, well, you need to make a decision. Something needs to happen. You need to make, you know, a decision. And, you know, do you really think that you could take care of a child? And, you know, what are you going to do? So I, I, I still felt alone, you know? And so what we ended up doing was I ended up uh, going to the doctor to find out, first of all, if I was indeed pregnant, but I pretty much knew that I was. And the doctor confirmed that, yes, I was pregnant. Uh, but the the thing of it is, is he confirmed that I was pregnant, but he also confirmed that I was five months pregnant, which is, wow. yes, which is, you know, five months along for five months along. Now, now I know, of course, is far left non far enough along for my baby to have all his fingers, all his toes, and to be able to recognize my voice. A baby, by when you're five months along, 
has all its fingers, all its toes and can recognize mama's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that doctor had said, you know, and I just thought, I, I think what happened was I wanted a quick fix. I was just, I didn't know anything. No one was coming along saying, Hey, you can do this or you can, there was no help. And I just wanted a quick fix. I just wanted everything to start over and go away. So I opted to get an abortion and the doctor informed me that, well, since you're so far along in the, in this town, and this was a town in, in California, um, in is northern Cal- north central California it was uh, Stockton, California. You know, in this town at that time, you couldn't get an abortion when you're that far along, right? And so he said, but you can go over to this town over here. It was uh, Concord, California, so it was a little town further, and you can do it there. So we um, couldn't. Uh, so I consulted them, found a got, I guess the doctor must have known where to go. And they said, yes, you know, we do that here. Uh, so I had um, a very close family member drive mm-hmm. me there. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a two day process. So mm-hmm. which I didn't realize, I don't think, I mean, everything just seemed like a blur. And I went one day and they had to give me a pill that would expand my, you know, cervix. And then the -hmm. next day they went, they assured me when I went that it was just a procedure. There's, it's not a baby. It's just a fetus. It's just an egg. It's just a procedure. It'll be in and out and it will be fine. Uh, And, you know, being by this time, I think I had, I had just turned 16. So it started so five months along, you know, that's a long time. I had turned 16 in this pregnancy process. And I remember at 16 years old, sitting there thinking, you know, just being confused and just, like I said, just wanting this to go away. And this was how I thought I could do it. So I go, they do that the first day, the next day, drive back to the place, the what they call procedure was done. This abortion was done. So Michelle, I'm laying there. You have to have a little bit of recovery time before they get you up. And I remember the nurse or, you know, person that was there. Uh, Well, first of all, I remember laying there and I remember this abortion very clearly. Um, I remember the sounds. I remember machines. I remember doctor there. I remember a couple nurses there. And I remember a nurse coming and telling me, it's all done. You're done. It was a boy. She actually looked at me and told me that my baby that I aborted was a boy so we go from this is a a procedure and oh it's only an egg to oh by the way it was a boy um and my heart just sank you know and you know being with this this close family member that brought me, I kind of couldn't understand what, what's, what's going on, not getting any, you know, help here. It was just, it was just rough. It was really hard. And maybe that person I'm sure didn't know what to do either, you know? So we go back home, everything is so-called normal. We didn't talk about it. It really wasn't talked about a lot. My, I have two older brothers and I'm pretty sure that my parents had told them about, they, they knew about it, but it was just never talked about. And I don't ever remember, recall anybody asking if, if I was okay, you know, and it just wasn't talked about. It was just a, a quote procedure. It was done and everything's good, you know, back to life. Well, not long after that, uh, you know, I, I made it through, through high school, uh, very rough high school times. Um, 
I, it was, school has always been hard for me. I'm also very, very hard of hearing and it was just hard for me. It was hard socially. It's just, just a lot, you know, how high school is for a lot of people. And at the end of high school, uh, because I still was hurting about this so much, it was constantly on my mind every day. And I grew more and more guilty knowing that that was not the right choice for me. It just was not the right choice. So not long after that, I really started uh, drinking, started drinking, started out socially, realizing, well, this is really good. It covers up all my feelings. Um, And because I did this, because I had an abortion and I was feeling such shame about it, not only did I start drinking, but I thought, okay, well, I'm already, I'm already um, thrown out goods, you know, so I became promiscuous too. So I didn't care. I was ridden with so much guilt and shame that I thought, well, I've already done the worst. I, I can just do all this, uh, feeling, not feeling good about myself and letting other people use me. Uh, drinking all my feelings down, not talking to anybody about it. Uh, Just a very hard, hard time. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. And so uh, even though I was drinking, my drinking kept progressing. It was little by little, but it it kept progressing. Uh, I did um, in 19... Uh, 87, I got married. And then by the time I was 26, I had two uh, beautiful children. Um, My drinking picked up. Uh, It seemed like it picked up after I had my children. Uh, And I think at the time, I felt guilty because I had two beautiful children that in my mind, I didn't deserve because I had already done this to another child. So I don't deserve to have these two beautiful children, this great husband who was a, is a wonderful guy. I mean, you know, I'm very blessed, but I didn't, I didn't take, I felt guilty. I did not deserve those children in my mind. So my drinking um, progressed. Um, I always, I was also working at the time and I would work and I would be drunk while I'm drinking, but nobody knew because I could just hide it so well. And at the time I was in uh, sales and retail sales management, and I would always work at the, the location that was far away where I could have a totally different life. And I did, I was basically living this life uh, with my husband and my two children, um, being the mom, being a wife, we lived on a ranch, he was a a rancher, Uh, this great life there, but then I would leave and go to work and have this other dark side where I was so full of guilt and shame, I would, not, uh, I had a, just such a hard time forgiving myself and feeling like I was already used good. So I may as well. So I had this other life at work traveling a little bit farther than I probably needed to. And so I would end up meeting other people and I end up, ended up being unfaithful to my family, to my husband because of such guilt instead of seeking help I just kept it all inside had nobody to turn to so I was a person that was riddled with guilt and shame of having an abortion uh riddled with guilt of having these two beautiful kids that I in my mind I did not and 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 a great husband that I did not deserve so I just threw it all away So I was very promiscuous, very uh, just partied a lot, not in my own, not with the people I know, but people I didn't know out of town after work. 
Um, so many times I, I knew that my drinking was getting out of hand and that I needed to get some help, but it took a while for me to really grasp that because I just wanted to stay there. I wanted to stay uh, in that, in that alcohol inducement, not coming to reality, not facing myself, not having to look at myself in the mirror. So finally, everything that I, I think I came to know that everything I was doing on my own was not um, working, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and what took, and what happened, what that final blow was, I went to work one day. I usually work time, I would usually get off at nine because where I worked as retail, they, it would be at nine, but it would take a while to close and so forth. And the town that I was working in had a lot of bars and I would go there a lot. And I would tell my husband, I have to work late. We have to do inventory. I have to work late. It's just lie after lie. So this one night I go and the next morning I wake up in a house that I don't know, in a bed that I don't know whose it is. There's nobody in the house um, it's a huge house um in a town that I don't know a lot about because I just worked there I don't really know it a lot so I I creep downstairs looking trying to figure out where I am everything's very vague um because I just was out of it and I guess I was so drunk I wake up I walk down the stairs there's nobody there there's a note saying, you know, I had the, this man that I was with, so they, I had to leave. I will be back later, whatever, you know, and I, I sat there on the couch. I see on the coffee table, there's a bottle of wine that's, that's got, that's empty and a glass there that has a little bit of wine left in it. And I pick up that glass of wine and I'm, putting it towards my lips and I'm thinking what am I doing I'm in this house that I don't know I'm I'm hung over I don't feel well I don't look good I have two children it was it was early early in the morning I had two children I have a husband what on earth am I doing? So I put that glass back on the table, didn't take a sip. I got on my knees and I said, somehow, you know, somehow I knew this world was not good enough for me. I had many times, Michelle, that I just did not want to be on this earth. Mm -hmm. That, that, that early, early morning or late, late evening, I don't even know, was um, the, the night or morning that I got on my knees and I said, please, God, I don't want to do this anymore. And this is a God that I, I knew nothing about, but I must, I guess, in my heart, because I would always consider myself as an unbeliever, maybe like, um, you know, agnostic, not sure. And at that point, I was to the point where, okay, I give up if there, you know, there's got to be something that can take me out of this. And I literally got on my knees and I said, please, God, I don't want to do this anymore. And I went outside, looked for my car and it was there um, and got in my car and I went back home and it was not a pretty picture, but I agreed to go to get sober and go to rehab. Um, and so that next day or thereabouts, my brother um, drove me to um, rehab, like the county rehab. And I walked in those doors and uh, didn't come out for about three to, I think it was, 
three or four weeks, I was in a rehab. And in this rehab, I met some wonderful people uh, that gave me a bunch of tools uh, to make my, you know, and I, I was get, I stayed sober that three, that time in rehab. And then when I got out of that rehab, um, I went to like an outpatient rehab because I had to work. Um, I mean, my marriage was up in an uproar. I, I had to work, had to go back to work. Um, and so at this point, I remember walking out of that rehab and there was a gal there that's a, a nurse or the, one of the people that, that worked there. And I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? There's, there's alcohol everywhere. There is, there's, it's everywhere. What am I going to do? And she said, she said, Janine, all you have to do is when you're, if somebody offers you, you just say, no, thank you. I've had enough. And I remember that really struck me because I just remember that to this day. So that was kind of the start of my journey to meeting with Jesus. And so after that rehab, I had outpatient rehab and you're required to go to AA meetings so many times a week. And in this case, I had to do 30 meetings in 30 days and somebody had to sign a little card saying that you went to these meetings and so forth. So that was addressing going to these AA meetings. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to go to AA. I found one that I liked. You always kind of find one that you like. It's good to go to others, but you always kind of find one that you like. I found one that I liked because it was not far from my work. And there was so many people at this particular meeting place that had a lot of sobriety and they laid it. They did not sugarcoat anything for me. They told me how it is, what I need to do. I got a sponsor that worked with me and I started my sobriety journey. <clears throat> but through that sobriety journey, I met a bunch of people through AA, but I also started going to church. And through that church going, I also met a lot of people. So I met this one lady and um, I was starting to be where I could be more transparent with people about my past. And because I knew to get fully sober, there's being sober from alcohol, there's being sober mentally physically. It's just all one big package. So my sponsor that I worked with and another gal from the church I was going to had told me about, cause I had confided in them in my abortion, kind of told them my story thus far at that time. And they had told me about, um, a, um, place that I could go. It's a, basically a, uh, a retreat for women that have had abortions so that you can start that healing process and go to this retreat. Well, that's what I did. It was like a, maybe like a, a whole weekend or like a four, like three to four day retreat uh, up in some Hills in California. And I did that. Somebody paid what it costs. Somebody gifted me and donated money for me to be able to go to this retreat. Um, and I went and it was, wonderful. It was eye-opening. I was able, there was so many women there that were in the same position that I was, because remember when it happened, I felt like I was alone and I still felt like I was alone and I still have times, but they were, there was more people, uh, more women there. And we all had different stories, but the same story in different ways and we all had abortions and we all needed to heal michelle there are so many women out there that have had abortions that are still suffering from that not because they have yes. not they have not sought out that healing right now, the gal that was doing the the uh, retreat was an ex she started it because she had that in her story but she was also a hospice uh, she also does retreats for hospice. So it was a very similar, she, she brought some of that into her abortion retreats and a post-abortive retreats. And the one thing I remember, a few things I remember about that was retreat was they had said, 
you know, it really makes a difference when you name your baby. Not a lot of people knew if they had a boy or a girl, not a lot. And there were other women that were told what they had. Like I was told that I had a boy, a lot of other women. And it was just a lot, you know, it's like, it's just, it was just shocking to me that a lot of women knew. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what happened to me. They told me. And that's, so they suggested to us that that night we had kind of a little, uh, you know, it was just very, we all prayed together and stuff. And so that night we all went back to our little cabins and we could go for these walks and just pray about if we wanted to name our baby. We didn't have to, but they said it really helps. And at that time, I was doing some deep, deep study about doing some deep study about um, different stories in the Bible. And I had been studying about Aaron. He built the tabernacle. And so Aaron, like our high priest, entered the earthly tabernacle just as the Lord enters our inner sanctuary. And so this retreat I felt like helped God enter into to me and so that story about Aaron inspired me so I decided to name my baby Aaron my baby boy Aaron the next day we had a little ceremony outside where we all got balloons this was like the last day of the retreat and uh so we all got a balloon and we were able to let that balloon go we said a prayer we let the balloon go. We put a little note to our baby in the balloon. We wrote a letter to our baby in that balloon and let our balloons go. And so we all let it go. And it was kind, kind of a cloudy day. And I remember saying, my balloon was yellow. And I remember somebody saying, oh my goodness, whose balloon is that? It's yellow. It's just going way up there. It's ahead of everybody. And I was like, that's my balloon. And so my balloon was just racing up to heaven and so I know that 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 was just a great thing that was a wonderful thing for me to experience to help me with my healing and of course I continue with it it's a constant healing just my sobriety is a constant thing and that day that I was there with that glass of wine that I did not drink and got on my knees and asked God to help me that was June 24th, 21 years ago. So this year, June 24th, I will have 21 years of sobriety. That is amazing. That is so awesome, Janine. I love, love the symbolism and the authenticity that you have, you, you know, shared how you've shared, you know, mm -hmm. Yes. this story with the raw emotions and yeah. like you lived it. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. you know, and your expressions and what, how you've explained things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there's so much it there. Is, it is a lot. And, but I, I want, I guess I want women to know that, you know, there is a lot of pain that goes with abortion that, that a lot of women don't realize because they might think it's something else. And it took me a while to realize that it's not only pain for me, but it went throughout. It goes on to other people. My, my marriage, it, it ended in a divorce because of that pain that I was trying to cover up through drinking that made me cover it up. It went through other things. It went all the way down the line. So my 15 year marriage did end in divorce, but my real, and my relationship with my kiddos because of the choices I made and the actions I took, uh, wasn't the best for a while, but, and, and, you know, they were with their dad a lot because I just wasn't well, but now, um, you know, I was a sick, I was a sick person trying to get well. I wasn't a bad person trying to get good. I was a sick person trying to get well. And that's what I was taught because I thought I was a bad person and didn't deserve that great husband and those beautiful kids but I didn't know I was just a sick person trying to get well. And the only way to do that is through Jesus. And so he is the healer of all and entered into my life. So 
I, that's, I think that was a big thing for me is I'm not a bad person because I always thought I was a bad person, but I was a sick person. So, well, and Jesus came to heal the sick and yes. the broken. Yes. That's what he's, I mean, that's what he came for. And, you know, the, the cool part of your story is God also inspired Aaron's house. Yes. Yes, he did. From your story, which mm -hmm. is a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story. But, and, yes. and we're ready. We're, we're, honestly, I wish we had more time, but right. that truly was, I think, yes. another healing place for you yes. to yes. open this home up for unwed mothers and to give them a, a haven, a safe place, a place to go for yes. an alternative to abortion. And yes. so God used all of your pain, used your experience to he birth turned this. it into good. He just yes, turned it where into we, good. where we have like, this beauty. It yeah. Beauty I mean, from never... ashes story, right? Exactly. Right. 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 You just got to be refined a little bit from those ashes, but he does it. It's, it's, it's only by the grace of God that I am sober, that I can share my story openly uh, it's only by the grace of God. Well, I appreciate you being willing to come on the show, Janine, and share that because a lot of emotions that go with telling a story mm -hmm. and you know, the healing power of God when he comes in yes. and he does make us well, mm -hmm. that you can then take that story and share it so that others can hear it who may be hurting, you yes. know, and there, like you said, there are so many women out there that mm. have had abortions and haven't really healed or understood, or they've escaped. Mm -hmm. I ha have myself encountered a lot of what you have shared in terms of escaping and running and Mm -hmm. trying to numb and you're not good enough and you can't forgive yourself. And I mean, and, and a, a failed marriage as a result. I mean, I just don't think women understand what happens to yeah. them when they do this. Yeah. There's a deception out there and, but it is soul scathing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but Praise God, you went through the healing and you have, you know, you'll be joined with your son one day. Yes, yes. And I can see, you know, the, the love that you have for your, your, your family and how Jesus has come into your story and mm -hmm. transformed you and made a difference. And, you know, he's using you and continues. And so I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show and sharing. And I, I like to give women a, an opportunity to share because there's a lot of details where I don't enter into their story and start asking right. them questions. Right. I like the woman because they, I think there's a, a need to mm -hmm. tell that story. Yes. And so that I, I definitely heard as you were going through um, mm -hmm. and sharing the details um, and that this was important for you to share. Yes. It's very important. You want Jesus to come mm -hmm. through. You want women right. to know and others right. to be yes. encouraged. And you know what? And when you're in, when you have, uh, you know, this shame and this guilt and go through all this and I've gone through healing and I've, and I have my sobriety, which could be taken away easily if I don't stay in the word, stay with God. But I want women to know that if you have to get it off your shoulders, there's, you don't have to carry that heavy burden of guilt or shame for, for whatever it is. If it's, if it's, if, you know, if it's abortion, if it's infidelity, if it's, um, you know, trying to get sober, if it's whatever you're whatever their story is, the story is not over. Your story's not over. You can, you can, God can finish your story for you. It's a continuation. If you just 
let the, tell somebody your story now, and then God will come in and make your story, take those ashes, right? And turn right. it into a beautiful story to share with people with your head held up high in, in hopes that somebody else can change. And it also helps to just tell. And because I get healing from sharing it with you and with other people, I still get healing. You know, the healing doesn't stop. No, it doesn't. And it's a process and praise God for his grace and his mercy and that he loves us so much and that, you know, he's given uh, the opportunity to you today Mm -hmm. to be able to share. You're going to be a different audience, but um, hopefully women from all over the world will be able to be blessed by what you've shared today, Janine. And friends, um, I will have this episode. This is our 50th and it is a golden episode. And I couldn't think of a better uh, story to be able to share of, uh, you know, just beauty from ashes and our Lord and Jesus and how he works. So Janine's an attestment of that. And friends also, I wanted to remind you that we are always um, looking for monthly donations and, you know, Janine's our treasure. So I want to also encourage you if you enjoyed listening to Janine's story or you enjoy listening to our podcast stories that you would consider making a tax deductible donation. Uh, You can do that on our website is an easy way to do that. And then also we want to hear your feedback on our stories. I would love to hear what you thought of Janine's stories. If you're a woman who's heard this and, you know, God's tugged at your heart or, you know, moved you to a place um, of, you know, going and getting a counselor involved or, you know, getting involved in church or somewhere um, where Jesus can come in and help you as you go through your healing journey. Please do let us hear from you because transformation uh, and stories around that really do encourage us, especially those that share um, like Janine. And so thank you again, Janine. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and to come on the show. And for those now that are ready to listen to Meemaw Moments, Um, here's our latest episode. Hi, y'all. I'm Sandy Williams, board vice president for Altered Stories Ministry, and this is Meemaw's Moments. I will be sharing stories about being a Meemaw, which is the name my grandkids gave me, the sweetest of all my names. I keep my grandkids almost every day, and I hope to share some fun stories that I've experienced, as well as lessons I've tried to teach, all scattered with biblical principles. I will share lessons learned that I try to translate from my Texas-based childhood and Southern ancestors to my grandchildren's lives today. When my grandchildren came, I purposed to be the same good example to them as my grandparents were for me, to be there for them, to love them like I was loved, and teach them about Jesus, family, and our strong country values, and maybe some good old country music. (laughs) I believe we're responsible for generations after us, I want my grandkids to know my parents and grandparents and those strong country values through me. It is, after all, their story. Today's segment is called, How Do You Measure Up? Much of Texas has been snowed in and iced in for the past week. It has been an experience as most of the state has never witnessed a winter storm that has lasted as long as this one. We, like many of the families, are using video chat quite a lot. This past week, After I had video chatted for over an hour with my kids and grandkids, I got another video chat request, and because I was in the restroom at the time, I declined it. But it rang again, right away, and I took this to mean that it was very important. And so I accepted the call. It was my eight-year-old granddaughter. Meemaw, I have a cake emergency. I said, Eden, I need to call you back. I'm in the restroom. No, Meemaw, I have a cake emergency. She stuck the phone right over the bowl of batter she was working on and showed me the batter. It was very runny. I finished up my restroom efforts, one-handed, 
so we could address the problem. And I asked her, what does the recipe say? Read it to me. She read off the recipe and her interpretation was two one quarter cups of flour. Uh-oh, instead of two and a quarter cups of flour. Hmm, interpretation is important. She had all the other ingredients right. We finally got her batter right and she was able to make cake pops. It took almost 30 minutes to walk through the measurements and ingredients, but we made it. And after we got all through, I remembered working with my granddaddy. He was a carpenter and a good one. He was very meticulous and he taught us all a great deal about measuring. Measure three times, cut once. We all remember that one, right? Well, my granddaddy had a couple of other ideas that he taught his grandkids. He would never have allowed a cell phone where he was working. He expected for you to be engaged, involved, and interested if you were gonna work with him. He told us, do you know what I need? And I'd say, what, granddaddy? He'd say, I expect you to read my mind. <laughs> okay. He wanted us to be in the moment, be ready to learn, and be a real helping hand. One of his tricks was to see if you were paying attention. So he would move what you were working on, and he'd say, move that just a hair. Have you ever said that? Move that just a hair. Well, my granddaddy refined it just a bit. You see, he said, a black hair is thicker than a blonde hair. So if you move it just a hair, you asked back, a black hair or a blonde hair? And he would just smile. What wonderful memories. Are you making good memories? How do you measure up? Measurement must be important because there are 130 verses about measure from 34 books in the Word of God. One of my favorites from the New King James is Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be given to you. For with the same measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. Are you making good memories? Until next time, Meemaw says, wherever you go, go with all your heart. Until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.